So welcome everyone to the next Catributor podcast, this time on a Sunday. And it's just the two of us, but we have plenty to talk about. Yeah, um, I had some technical issues on Friday, namely that my internet was really not behaving itself. But it's, it's all good today, so here we are. We've actually ended up with a few more things to talk about than we would have on Friday as well. So it's kind of worked out. True. And I guess the first thing that's already in everyone's mouth is the closed test changed mechanics of detection by planes. So once again, Wargaming is testing a new concept. This is uh, something I have talked about previously, and this is the first we've heard about it in a little while. I can't remember the last time they talked about uh, do, doing this kind of thing, but they have acknowledged, um, at least since earlier this year, the need to do something about the current state of spotting with planes. Yeah, but the, the thing is always that Wargaming said, like, yeah, we, we acknowledge that this is a problem, but there just isn't a solution. They pretend that they they put the best scientists in years of research into finding a solution, and there just isn't any. When they already tested the minimap spotting only, and then they claim this isn't work because it's too complicated for people, which is a lie because that's already in the game as Cyclones. So mm. they claim that something that's already in the game, they can't put in it. And now they've made the system more complicated and they think this is the solution because they are like, you know, it's mind-boggling. Submarines, you know, it's worth pointing out that Submarine Hydro works by minimap spotting as well. <laughs> it, 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 you know, you, you put out the, the hydro pulses and it updates the minimap in those, you know, intervals. So, yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah, basically they want to move away from... Uh, the current model where fighters or attack squads instantly spot a player, you know, a, a ship, surface ship for everybody else. And um, what they're talking about is a new concept whereby, uh, well, I'll read it out. Any enemies detected by planes will be displayed for the whole team on the mini-map. However, only allies who are within a certain radius of the squadron that is detecting the enemy ship will see the actual model of the ship, so long as it does not become detected by the allied ships themselves. So, essentially, we're going to end up with another new stat, which is, you know, the radio range of planes, which will then therefore inform allies within a certain radius or be able to, you know, spot within the certain radius that, that those ships are um, there. And everyone will be able to see it on the minimap, but only those ships will be able to actually see the, the model of the ship. They're also talking about adding a new consumable for testing a reconnaissance aircraft designed for spotting the enemy so that allies can fire. It'll be deployed the same way fighters are, and instead of attacking enemy planes, it'll just allow nearby allies to see um, enemy ships. So they're acknowledging also that people an awful lot of the time use their fighters just for spotting instead. So I yeah. don't know, what, what, what do we think about that? I mean, it's definitely acknowledging the issue, uh, but I don't know if it's quite the solution I would have gone for. I mean, the problem it's still, is... It's still lighting up, like it's all the nearby... Yeah ships who are the main threat like if you're going to destroy it anyway and you get lit up by aircraft this changes nothing it's all the nearby ships 
they are most likely to be able to shoot at you that still get to see you directly. Not like there's any kind of delay involved or anything. So I'm honestly not sure what this solves. Uh, I mean, the, the biggest question is what's the radius, right? Because that That's radius true. changes everything. That's true. not talked about that. If it's going to be like super short range... I mean, it stops long-range incoming fire, but that's the fire you're most, be able to, uh, most likely to be able to dodge anyway. I mean, the thing that I see is right, what happens sometimes in a cruiser. Let's say you're in a squishy cruiser in Des Moines, a Minotaur or something like that. An early game, you want to position. Like a Des Moines, you want to go to that island. You get spotted briefly by planes and a battleship 23 kilometers one shots mm. you while you're completely angled with overmatch. And while this doesn't happen all the time, it's it's a ver- it's such an annoyance if you get spotted while deploying early on, just by planes that you can't do anything about it. And if you're in a squishy cruiser, your only hope is to dodge the incoming shares because you can't angle against them. And that's one thing that would that, help. Yeah, it would. Um, for cruisers, it would definitely help. Like I, I feel like it's not really helping destroyers that much, but I suppose for cruisers, yes, that certainly would be a, a, a great. Um, Aid, especially in the, uh, the earlier parts of the game, when you're trying and to yeah. get into a position. Destroyers will have to, it will depend on the radius, they'd have to make it really short, like shorter than radar range, basically, right? If it was like only 8 kilometers, that could help. If it's something like 10, 12, it's probably you're gonna get deleted. Anyway. Although I have to say, like, if it's only 10, for example, like a ship at 12 kilometers is a big threat to destroyers still. Mm. So... If they make it short enough, it could help. But what's concerning me is also that they're going to have dedicated spotting planes, because I presume that those spotting planes will linger for a while and will spot even better than the other planes. And if you drop that on top of like a Shimakase, it's not like a Shimakase is going to shoot them down. Yeah, it also doesn't say anything about how easy these are going to be to shoot down, if they're going to be like fighters in terms of having just a health bar that can be chipped away uh, if they're going to last for longer or shorter or what kind of spotting range they're going to have so there's, there's, there's not a lot of detail at the moment about what they're thinking about and what they're um, going into this testing kind of thing yep. so depending on the numbers they choose and how the new spotting planes work it could be a buff to carry a spot because you know uh, I mean, I, I highly doubt that there would be something ultra long range, so probably safe at 20 kilometers. So may, it might still be a benefit for cruisers that spot, get spotted long range. But if they get like better spotting aircraft and then that spotting aircraft will spot you still at like 15 kilometers, right? Or like relay the information 15 kilometers, that means it's going to be a nightmare for destroyers because areas can easier like light up a cap and just keep destroyers spotted. So. It, it depends on how they do this and how they do the numbers. It's a weird concept, and I wouldn't be surprised if they end up buffing carriers. Yeah, I mean, I don't know why they didn't just use the the idea that they had with with radar, for example, where you have a, a delay in kind of relaying the information to your allies. Like that, that would to me, have made a little bit more sense, but I, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, the problem with a delay is, right, I mean, radar has a somewhat limited duration and range. So if you get a delay, as a destroyer can react, maybe set out of the, the radar, uh, or maybe it's easier to survive the duration if it's a short duration radar and everybody else gets a delay chance mm. to shoot at you. While with planes, I mean, they just stick around. If you get spotted three seconds later, it's going to do nothing. 
I, it would have to, yeah, I mean, it would have to be a long enough duration. Like, the main benefit would be that you could at least start shooting some of the planes down right away kind of thing. So at the point when you're then yeah. um, spotted, you have already done some of the work and, you know, it takes, like, there's, there, there's then hopefully less of a time when you are spotted. But I suppose the main beneficiary of that would be destroyers rather than cruisers. I don't know how you would do that to, like, not over-advantage cruisers with generally having better AA. But at least shooting down fighters, but it's presuming that you know the the uh, reconnaissance drops do work like fighters. Like I, I assume, what they're thinking is you have to fly your attack squad uh, and drop the recon planes like you would with fighters, rather than just being able to select a place on the map for your recon planes to pop up every so often. Yep, presumably. Yeah, so uh, honestly, like I'm, I'm not optimistic about this at all. It they they do internal testing and we see what come out with it and could be a it mean it could be a nerf to carry spotting, could be a buff to carry spotting. They are vague enough that we just don't know. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely very lacking in details at the moment. <laughs> so we'll we'll see, we'll see what what it, uh, comes out of it when we learn a bit more. Well, uh, then next, I think we have Santa Crate update. So uh, basically, they have now uh, given details about the Santa Crates, about the drop rates, all of them. And there is even like a guaranteed drop mechanic now. So if you buy enough and you get unlucky, you are guaranteed to get a drop. But honestly, they are. Uh, it requires a lot of crates. Yeah, you. I mean, you have to be um, potentially dropping a fair bit of money to get the. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's definitely hundred percent sunk cost fallacy at that point. They're hoping that you've been, you know, um, that that you've got enough spare doubloons or money or whatever that you're just like, oh well, I've spent this much. I might as well spend a bit more and get the guaranteed one. So it's definitely a double-edged thing. Like it's nice that it's there, but it, yeah, if it's um, where does it give the numbers? I'm trying to find it. Does it say how many you need specifically? I did skim over this article, but ah, uh, yeah, yeah, it, it says like for for the small gifts you need ninety-nine for guaranteed drop. For the big ones you need twenty-six, okay. and for the megas you need fourteen. So it needs a, a rather large amount of them. Yes. So you need to get very unlucky. Because if you look at it, the, the premium special ship has 2.5% chance to drop right on the smallest rate. Hmm. Uh, but you only get the guaranteed one after 99, right? At this point, you should have gotten like two or three ships already. Yes. So you have to get very unlucky. So it's not some, it's, it's, uh, it's not something where they'd be like on about the, uh, a bit more than the average drop rate. If you're just getting a little bit unlucky, then, then. Get your guaranteed. It's like you know, if you get seriously, you have you need a very serious bad luck strike. Yeah, to kick. Like for that particular, like setting it ninety nine seems kind of almost specifically targeted at the whales that are going to buy things in bulk. And like, here's an extra thing that you're guaranteed to get. 
I, I guess. mean, it's it's sort of a bit failing the 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 safety net thing of guaranteed drop mechanics. Yeah, because they they said that you not just have to get unlucky, you have to get really unlucky for it to yeah. kick. You. But you know, uh, at least it's there, I suppose. Yeah, we have and, we have the solid numbers. So yeah, everybody can see the numbers now and can make a choice. And it's like even spin off like we can see in the small if there's a 2.5 chance to get a ship, but tier five to seven is more likely with two percent, and then tier eight to tier nine is 0.4 percent, and then getting a tier ten, and the rare ship is only 0.1 percent. So. Mm. I'm sure somebody somewhere, now that we know the exact numbers, is going to be already figuring this out in their spreadsheet of, you know, but well, especially once we know what the prices of these will be, because we don't yet, but they'll figure out what, what the best bang for the buck is in terms of, you know, buy X number mm-hmm. of these boxes and have Y chance of, of getting these rewards. So we'll see. Somebody somewhere is going to be figuring out the maths of the optimal way of doing it. Which is not something people have been able to do up until now, because we didn't know drop rates. Also, Although, what's, intre- also what's interesting is... Oh, you're sorry. The, the Black Friday ones, I suppose somebody probably did sit down and do that as well, but I, if they did, I missed it. Anyway, go on. Yeah, what, what I just noticed is that uh, if you already have all the ships from the list and the Santa gift container drops an item from the ships group, you receive the following compensation and it's steel. Right? You don't get the doubloon simo, which is, I feel like, not as generous. Like for a small yeah. gift, if you get a ship and you already have a dub, you already have all the ships, you get like 250 steel. The doubloons would be nicer, so that definitely feels... Yeah. Like steel, okay, I guess. But it's not like it's huge amounts of steel. Maybe they're hoping that some people that are really desperate for steel will buy hundreds of crates with all the ships already. Just so... I mean, technically, with this, you can buy steel if you have all the ships, right? So if you are like a super whale... (laughs) Yeah. Because it's quite a long list, just looking at the the ships. Uh, And there are some decent ships on that list, certainly. Um... But yeah, it also remains to be seen, and we don't know if that's the case just from looking at this article. If it's going to be like in previous years with you know the Makarov, if there is some kind of short preference list thing where there's certain ships that you know are much more likely to drop than others for each type of container. I mean, I, I guess we'll, I guess we'll see. I think they would have not uh, mentioned it in the article, but what we see is yeah. right, that they have different drop rates for ship, right? So for example, tier five to tier seven is always small. Like if you get a ship, it's very likely that you get tier five to tier seven. So instead of having like a short list like that, they just have the different tiers at different yeah. drop rates. Yeah, they do give an overall percentage chance and then they break it down a tier. So I think so, they've replaced the shortlist with this, right? Instead of just yeah. having like five, they make just the lower tier ships more likely. So for replace people more with the higher tier ones. And you can get doubloons as a drop from them anyway, but... Um, 
the mega gift one that's maximum of 2500 and it's only a five percent chance so it's not in fact, it's 5% chance for each of them. It's just the doubloons amount goes down. So there's not like there's a chance you might get really lucky and open a bunch and get a bunch of doubloons back, but at 5%, it's not, not a particularly high chance. We have removed that guarantee of yeah. getting some doubloons if you get uh, doubles of ships. So it's not, it's not bad overall, but yeah, that, that in particular does feel... A bit stingier than previous years. Yeah, well, well, I guess we'll have to see what the pricing for those boxes is. Yeah. So we have probably the biggest news of this particular set of articles in that Italian destroyers. Uh, have been announced from Tier 2 to Tier 10, along with a, a Pan-American Tier 8 premium battleship that those are all yes. in testing. Now, we'll, we'll look at some of these numbers, but we, we have managed to get uh, Drachinafel back uh, next week, in the coming week, on it'll be Thursday. So he'll be able to talk about the history of the actual ship's uh, and most of them, it seems to indicate most of them did actually exist. Yeah, I, I've heard that Tier 10 was actually a cruiser and not a destroyer. But uh, I think yeah, there was have so, a lot so, to talk about there were, Some of the, the French large destroyers and the, the Italian ones, that kind of really blurred the line between what you would call a, a cruiser and a destroyer. Uh, so we have, where are we? Tiers 2 to 7 and Tier 10 are based on actual ships. So it's basically Tier 8 and Tier 9 that are some form of uh, blueprint ship. So, yeah, uh, interesting question from Love Michael. Do we think that with the very short-range guns they will be viable at all? I mean, the stats is something that we obviously want to talk about here. And yes, that's just a very interesting choice for them is because they all seem to be like YOLO boats, right? Yeah, short-range guns, long-range torpedoes. They've all got exhaust generators. Yeah, what's interesting is that they don't have very good concealment because that's the one thing that I feel like will really hurt them, right? They have bad concealment, which means they have to rely on their smokescreen sort of wish. But that makes them blind as well. Mm. So it's weird. And like having just very short range guns and bad concealment is who do you like uh like what's what's your target, right? And how do you like if you wanna think other destroyers, they'll see you coming and they'll just turn tail and run away. And you don't have any tools to detect them if they smoke up or anything, and you know, you can't just run after them, they'll keep you spotted. So if you run after them with a smoke screen, then you are yourself spotting anyway. It's like I haven't quite figured out what one would do with them. They're definitely not the Palo Emilio style YOLO boat where you run in and unleash a barrage of really damaging torpedoes at close range. Like they don't. I'm just going through, looking through some of the the numbers now, and they're all very slow. Uh, exactly like speeds. I think they're like the cruiser torpedoes, right? 
maybe even slower than that. I, I don't. I'd have to bring up the Italian cruisers to. They tend to have rather slow torps, but I don't know the stats by heart. But yeah, if you look at like, for example, at tier ten, right? Uh, Fifty-six knot torpedoes at tier ten. That's just very slow. That's a respectable yeah. range of thirteen point five, which is interesting because like so you have to yolo for your guns. That's only just above what the um, oh, what's it called? The German one. I think they're yeah. actually a bit slower, but they're only a little bit slower by a couple of knots. It also very bad torpedoes for close range fighting because you know they they are so slow that they are easily done. Yeah. So they don't synergize well with your guns, and your guns don't synergize well with your concealment. So I had to look at the one existing ship we have in game. I mean, um, the the Leonia tier six, which I think is HE and AP, but that has. Um, I don't know if the range is even that bad, but it, it kind of relies on um, just lobbing out lots of slow torpedoes fairly close in succession and hoping that you actually hit something, but that. That has a regular smoke. In fact, that actually has quite a long-lasting smoke. Mm -hmm. It's more like a U.S. smoke. Let's see if I can find where it is in my lineup. Uh, so artillery, that's 12.1 kilometers with its with its guns. So it's not even like it's short-range guns. Uh, but I think they made it rather... Yeah, it's nearly a 10-second reload. Uh, but the torpedo's there, 54 knots, 12 kilometers, and it reloads every 60 seconds. So it looks like they've looked at the Leone's torps and kind of sort of taken that as the pattern. But yeah, the guns are going to be even shorter range. In fact, they'll be by far the shortest range guns of any destroyer line. I don't think there's anything to compare them to. Yeah, well, I mean, and, and also like when, when we look at, for example, the tier 10, um, you have like eight 135 millimeter guns and a SAP uh, damage of 3,050. Like if if you if you hit an enemy destroyer with those guns, that's that's not gonna buff out. <laughs> yes, but you know how are you gonna? Like you've got to get in close enough. Like they're probably gonna outspot you, and yeah, it then becomes a matter of you know can you can you run them down. And it does have 41 knots, and you'll be able to buff that a bit with caption skills. But, um, yeah, the emergency engine power uh, only lasts for 25 seconds. <laughs> so you've got a very, very short duration speed boost. Also, it's interesting that, that like, your detectability is bigger than your gun range. I mean, you obviously might take skills for that to increase your gun range and decrease your detectability, but yeah. you're spotted from further away than your guns. And these these torpedoes, I mean, thirteen thousand nine hundred. Other people have damage uh, sort of tier five, tier six, around that. So, um, I mean, fifty six knots, ninety second reload. Yeah, I I don't. These are odd. These are very odd. These are not sitting in a smoke cloud and and ping away at people. I mean, ships. You know with 8.5 kilometer, like if you take the captain's skill for range and the module for range at tier 10, like what, how how much more range do you get percentage wise? 
Uh, let me just double check that. But I feel is it like sixteen with the module and uh, let's check what it is for destroyers. Uh, um, uh, where are we? Gun fire control system. Yeah, sixteen percent. And then for the captain skill, which is what BFT. No, main battery and AA expert. Uh, that gives you a further 20%. So 36% total. Whatever that adds up to on top of it. So you, you get to about 11 and a half. Okay, that's around what I would have guessed, which is only... that That's, that's getting to what other destroyers have without any upgrades. I mean, well, the some, thing some is... destroyers have like 13 without upgrades, so yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, the thing is that uh, with, with those guns, that you probably can hurt destroyers really badly, right? If you have somebody else who does the spotting for you and you hang back like a little bit like a cruiser, but you will have very little room for error because you are seen so easily. Yeah. And then the you one... just devastate something. I don't know. The one kind of saving grace is you do seem to get a pretty like they're giving you pan Asian numbers of charges for the uh the exhaust the smoke generator, so it's a tier ten it's six uh tier yeah tier eight tier nine tier ten it's six and below tier seven uh, tier seven and below it's four so it's it's a decent number. Uh, in fact, tier six, tier five, you only get th uh, three of them. Tier three, you get three of them. So, yeah, at lower tiers, you really don't get a lot to work with. Um, but at the higher tiers, you at least get a reasonable number. Yeah, I, I. This definitely feels like another very niche line. Like these could have quite powerful guns with their SAP, but. Being able to actually get into a position to use those powerful guns is going to be tricky, and it's not you know, like five second reload is um, definitely nothing special at tier ten. There's no reload booster, uh, just just for the shortness of range, um, which is going to be expensive to overcome. I mean, it's yeah. So, so you you want to have a good laugh? L look at the tier six Italian destroyer and the main uh, battery. Aviary, 6.7 kilometers. Yeah, now look at main battery before then. It has one oh. gun. Oh, what? <laughs> okay. Is that, like, now let, let's look at the picture. Is this a typo? Or is this... Huh. Maybe I... it looks like it's a... Looking at the, the thing, it looks like it's a single... It must be. There's a single twin turret at the the front, and then yeah, it's... maybe a single turret, or is it two single turrets at the rear? That looks like that looks like it's a typo on the stats. I don't think it's a yeah. single gun. Yeah, it would be a bit weird. I mean, I could... I could shows more than a single gun. I mean, the back could be like a secondary, but, you know, it's it should be at least one twin turret, right? Yeah, I think they've they've put that in wrong. Uh, because that that would be hilarious. I mean, it would also be unplayable, probably. But like having just 
One gun if he's Yeah, one gun with a five second reload. Good luck. Uh... Yeah, so it, it, this is an odd, an odd looking line to be sure. And I think we've got to the stage where, given that they're still trying to give things a national flavor, we're, we're going to get, like, if, they, if they're trying to make them gimmicky in some ways, we are going to get these very odd looking lines. I mean, it's it's just that I don't think with, with the detection range they have, there's going to be... Uh, let's just say it, it doesn't feel like it's going to be all that... Like... Yeah. Actually, I just mean, even I... looking at the torpedo damage, the Leone's torpedoes, uh, even though they're slow at 54 knots, um, like the... Regular tier six gets fifty six knots, but the torpedoes do way less damage, and they have two kilometers less range. <laughs> I, I don't, this feels like a weird concept. It really does. I mean, <laughs> that that torpedo, like what you basically what they look like to me is right. You sit at the back and you launch your torpedoes from range in circles, pretty much at the edge of your torpedo range, probably because if you go close in, you get spotted. Until you get bored, and then you just yolo in with the smoke, and you hope you take something down before you die. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's the idea behind these, that they start off the match being quite passive, just putting torpedoes down range, and we know how, uh, you know, um, literally hit or miss an experience yeah. that can be. And then towards the end, where you have more uh, damaged enemies and fewer enemies, you know, presuming that you're winning, um, that then you can go in and put the guns to better use with the shorter range. But, you know, that does presume that you're winning and that you can actually somehow help your team get to that point. Yes. Um, with these long-ranged, slow torpedoes that you're just throwing out intermittently. I mean, the thing with, with the speedies, you'll just have to try to catch another. Because, like, I mean, as impressive as your gunpowder might be, like, you aren't going to win against a cruiser or something, like... No. Yeah, it it looks like you are meant to just be farming destroyers, but the destroyer sees you coming and you can't like do anything about it. And you are moderately fast, so you might be able to catch them if they run, but then you need to survive getting spotted part. So you need to catch a destroyer with its pants down somewhat and hope that your smoke lets you survive long enough to but then again like you can't deactivate your smoke right if you try to yolo destroyer with your smoke on you can't even see it yes <laughs> so unless you trigger it like you can't <laughs> yeah you can't run towards an enemy destroyer keep them spotted and it's not like you have hydro or anything like that so you need somebody else to spot the destroyer, then you can press the smoke, yeah. and then you can YOLO in during your smoke, getting close enough to maybe sink it, and then hope that for a miracle you can disengage again. Maybe that's the idea behind these, is that they are pure division ships, that you don't take them solo, but there are lots of people that only play solo. So I don't know. Weird. It's weird. <laughs> I mean, they could also be changed during testing heavily. And right now, I wouldn't be surprised if there's some changes. But we all I'm know sure how. They, fun I'm sure they will be, but they rarely scrap the. Yeah. Like, if they've come up with a concept, they rarely scrap the entire concept. 
fact, I don't know if I can really think of any um, major cases where they've, they've, you know, gone into the pre-release stats of the line and then completely changed what the line is about. Yeah, I mean, not they've done that sometimes with individual premium ships, but... Yeah, I mean, line... I did that, for example, with, like, the British cruisers back in the day. It was a long time ago. Kind of, yeah. That's that's about the only example I can think of was was removing the HE rather than dropping the smoke. So uh, that wasn't so much changing the entire concept as kind of refining the concept. I would argue. Well, I mean, I'd say the concept of a uh, HE spam and smoke. Well, it's sort of a concept because you you can't angle against it and I, stuff. I think, yeah, I think the smoke was more central to the concept than the HE was in that particular instance. But you know, also like into... uh, for for the, the the Russian battleships, right? The original concept, if if being very accurate at lower ranges, but at close ranges, but very inaccurate at longer ranges with the specialized dispersion reference. Mm. So that that was mostly scrapped concept to make them just a regular. Dispersion Is that not craft. still somewhat the case though? Do they not still have their own dispersion? Well, I mean, sure, but. Uh, like every battleship, well, I mean, certain nations share usually dispersion curves, but every ship gets closer to close range, right? There wasn't the, 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 the real concept was to make them like real brawlers and very bad at long ranges. And that, as we know, aim to be. Yeah, overall, yeah. overall, this feels like a, an odd, Line and I think we'll, we'll definitely see some changes. Like, I can't imagine they won't get at least some buffs to their either their range or their reload time, or maybe a, a buff to concealment. It just feels like uh, they've, they've got quite a bad combination of, of stats in some some cases. Also, the yeah, Adriatico, the, I just realized that mm-hmm. looks really Soviet, that superstructure. But that is one of the paper ones, I suppose. Ah. That looks interesting. Yeah, look at that superstructure, Tommy. That doesn't remind you of like the the Tashkent or something. Yeah. I mean, did they say on what they? Uh... Ah, yeah. They even say in many respects similar to a Soviet destroyer leader Tashkent. Oh yeah, yeah. So Italian guns, but you know Tashkent. <laughs> <laughs> if they were, I mean, if they wanted to make them kind of Soviet-style, more open-water gunboats with, you know, SAP instead of HE, that could have been a thing, but they have HE. So... Honest, I honestly, I do like the concept of basically a very close-range boat that needs going, because, like... That the French, the Soviets, that they're so annoying to deal with when they just zip mm. around. They don't provide that much utility for the team, and while they are definitely good ships and can deal a lot of damage, I, I feel think... like that's not really more we need. Yeah, I think if they were going to do that with this line, though, I mean, the one big notable thing that they don't have is a heal. Yeah, and I feel like... Although the hit points are definitely above average for their tier, I don't think they're that above average. Yeah, true. 
I feel like what they need is just better concealment, right? I'd like the, the general concept of, as I said, like a, a very low gun range, mm-hmm. but you need the tools to, to go in, right? If you had just very low gun range and very good concealment, so you go in, you shoot, you're easy to escape from in a sense because they are very short of the range. And then you, maybe if you, if you get it, it gets too hot, you use your smoke to escape or something. It's like, I feel like with, with the uh, detectability, right, you just, if you use your smoke to close in or trying to, I mean, one, you're blind while you do it, but then you don't have a smoke and then you, you're going to die because you can't escape. Mm-hmm. And if you keep it to escape, then you just go in and you're going to palm it so hard until you are all, uh, in range. And it doesn't really feel like you have the torpedo hitting power to even really do that part, except against an already quite damaged target. Yeah, but I mean, they are so slow, so you won't get a lot of hits anyway. Yeah. So even if you spam a lot of time uh, torpedoes from range, it's going to be a very frustrating experience. Anyway, that's just, it's just an odd idea, generally. Yes. Whatever it is they, they have in mind there. Um, the other new ship we have on this page, uh, it'll be interesting to look at this actually, and, and um, when we have track here on Thursday and, yeah. and talk about actual Italian naval doctrine. Oh, yeah. And, and I'm sure a lot of it will come down to um, what the French were doing at the same time, because that was Italy's kind of main nearest naval rival was was obviously France. And we already have that somewhat in game with um like how the um or not even in game but you know the the, the Dunkirks were built to mm-hmm. counter the, the Graf Spees kind of thing. So uh, I suspect a lot of the Italian design philosophy will come down to what were the French doing and kind of reacting to that and trying to outdo the French in various ways. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to hear about that. But, yeah, the other ship we have on this page is the Atlantico. And it doesn't really give much about that in terms of its history other than to say it's armed with British 15-inch guns and American dual-purpose uh, and uh, AA guns. So it's... I mean, the, 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 the turrets themselves do look like the hood or the monarch well, i guess the hoods particularly the hoods uh twin 15 inch guns you know the, the queen elizabeth's 15 inch guns they're, mm-hmm. they're very um very similar looking to that but in terms of the rest of the ship i'm not sure so uh it might be this is some kind of i mean uh, the last time we had track on we were talking about you know the vickers line of of ship so it's quite possible that this is some shipyard design that was offered to various South American countries. So it could be like Vickers, for instance, or one of the other, the major British ship lines. Because uh, some, some shipyards, some companies did do that. I think Ansaldo in Italy also offered their designs to various other countries. Uh, so it, it, it might well be that it's a sort of British-based design, but you know, aimed at the, uh, the South American market. I mean, it's interesting because there's a project of a battleship with British main caliber guns and secondly armament, as well as American dual-purpose AA artillery. So it sounds like they've even... I don't know what they based... If they took a, 
at the, the base hull of a project of a battleship that was planned and then switched out both the main guns and the AA from other nations. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, the fact that it's American, like specifically specified American uh, secondaries, you know, they, they could have done the thing they do sometimes, which is a fictional refit where it's, it's you know, some 1920s design that's been updated and they've put, you know, 1940s American AA guns on it. It sounds like they took a paper ship concept and then refitted the paper ship concept. They were yes. like, what if the paper ship concept time. would have been built and then later have been refitted? It does specifically mention it's a long-range secondary armament, so we'll see what that means. I mean, it's a tier 8 ship. Uh, uh, the fact that it's American 127s means, um, does it perhaps, uh, you know, is it going to be a, a, a kind of counterpart to something like the Massachusetts, but overall slower? I, I mean, guess we we'll have stats for it. Oh, bottom. it does have stats. Yeah, I should actually look. It, it has 7.5 kilometer secondaries, so I've, is that the standard range, 48? Let me just double check. The problem is that, like, the U.S. secondaries aren't that great anymore. Like, ever since the IFHE nerf, the U.S. secondaries have suffered a lot. Yes, um, but it does. We do have some, like, the 127s are going to be the more numerous, but it also mentions some 234 oh, yeah. secondaries. Oh, yeah, it says 8 times 2, 230. Oh, that's, okay, that, that's going to be interesting. That's, that's an interesting secondary millimeters. That's 9.2 inches, something like that. Those those will be, you know, the biggest. Those will be, it's basically got like two heavy cruisers strapped to the side in terms of those secondary cuts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I so mean. We'll I, see. I mean, does it say what dispersion those secondaries have? Let's have a quick look. Uh, I don't um, see anything about that. No. Reload time, yeah, if the main battery is oh. for 10 15-inch guns, uh, 1.8 Sigma, 28-second reload, that's not bad. Quite a decent turret traverse. Um, yeah, the 234s are all 7.5. Chance to cause fire 21% with those... 234 millimeter guns. I mean, maximum's five knots. So yeah, this does feel like it's meant to be. This, this is going to be, my guess, some kind of 1920s design that's got a fictional refit. I mean, the thing is, what what I like is that they designed a a brawler basically, and. They, they like with, with Seculars and they gave it something like Hydra. I mean, we'll have to see how tanky it turns out to be. Yeah. But yeah, uh, we don't really know what armor scheme it's got or anything like that. Right. 7.5 like... is the same base range as the Massachusetts. So you would be able to get it to uh, max secondary range, same as the Massachusetts. So, you know, if you like your secondary. Uh, spec'd ships. This looks like it'll be a good one, except it's only got a 25 knot base speed, so it's going to be hard to get in and out of engagements. It's kind of... Oh yeah, I only just saw that. That's not so great. Yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of around the levels of the Queen Elizabeth's, I think. 
or like Nagata. I think Nagata is around 25 knots. Could be, yeah. I mean, obviously this, this stuff needs testing and we'll see, but I, I mean, I love secondary battleships. So, it'll, be, uh, it'll be interesting to, this is definitely one of the more interesting looking premiums that we've had. Yeah. And yeah, that 21% fire chance on a secondary might need <laughs> refinement. <laughs> but, but, I mean, that's that's just, that's nasty. How much, does it say how much but, pen those shells are going to have? I don't we, think we don't... the IFA chief for those to have decent pen. I mean, 234s that should have, like, I mean, they they should have better pens than the usual heavy yeah, Unless cruisers. it's artificially nerfed, it's, it's yeah. heavy cruiser pen. But we don't know um, the reload, right? Pretty strong AA as well, at least in the short and mid range. Uh, surface detectability fourteen point seven, so not especially sneaky, and it has got a hydro. So that that looks interesting to me. That does look interesting to me. Yeah. Depending on how well it, it, it tanks, that could be a function. Yeah. Two Goliaths worth uh, worth of fire shots. Yeah, it's the same caliber as the Goliaths, isn't it? 234 millimeters, yes. I mean, you'd have to be within, like, what's the maximum you can get on the Massachusetts? Is it 11.5? 12.1? Something like that. Um, yeah, we still don't, like, it doesn't tell us what the accuracy of those secondary guns is going to be. And the reload. That will make a difference. Yeah, and all the reloads. So that, that obviously will make a difference. And it's not going to be a particularly fast rate of fire with those uh, 234 mil guns. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if that's like a 12 second or 15 second reload on those secondary space reloads, yeah. right? So they will have a high, ch and then not all of them will hit, obviously, because the accuracy won't be that great. But, you know, I mean, uh, it's definitely an interesting looking secondary battery. Yes. It definitely is. I wonder if those are, those are specifically British uh, 234 mils, or if they are some actual or imaginary American ones. I think that's it. British main caliber and secondary, and not only the anti-air is American. Ah, yes, 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 it does say that. Yeah, British main caliber and secondary as well as dual-purpose AA. So yeah, the dual-purpose US 127s, and then the rest is okay. So those probably will have similar-ish stats to the, the 9.2s that we have at tier 9 and tier 10. And tier 8 as well, including the Cheshire, of course. Uh, yes, Darth Mike, uh, we, we've basically discussed the whole balancing thing. When was it, like two podcasts ago, I think? Yeah, something like that. But yeah, I, I, it remains to be seen what Wargaming does with all of this because they are preliminary stats. And while they are very unwilling to scrap any of their concepts, you know, we will see what start changes they come up with. I'm just looking at... Um, I can already see they are slightly nerfed in comparison 
to the cruiser 234 mil guns. Okay. Uh, which have 25% fire chance. Uh, but <laughs> Cheshire, at tier 8, 12.5 second reload. Uh, Drake has actually got an 18 second reload. But it's got, I think, triple turrets, and Cheshire's only got the twin turrets. So it's probably going to be somewhere in between those two. Goliath has got, again, triple turrets, eight and a half, 18 and a half second. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's going to be somewhere in between the 12 and a half and the 18 and a half seconds, I would imagine. It's unlikely to be faster than 12 and a half seconds. Although, I mean, you can obviously buff it with, like, you know, Captain Skill. Uh, yeah, well, that's true, yeah. Uh, 59 millimeters of, of uh, HE penetration as well. <laughs> pretty pretty decent know. for a secondary. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, slightly nerfed in HE chance, and we have no idea what the rate of fire is going to be. That, that looks like a ship I would actually get, though. Oh, yeah. Like, this, this is definitely something I'm interested Anything that has good secondaries is something that interests me. Oh, yeah. Someone points out the British HE does have the improved pen. So it might be less than 59. Uh, um, whatever, but... I mean, you know, if it's... Uh... 50 or something, you'll still be happy. Is it a fifth or a sixth? What the standard one is. I don't know. Uh, Chat will know. Uh, Oh, that's all right. Anyway, someone will be able to figure it out. I mean, we'll still have to see anyway if they, if, if they, you know, change anything on that further. Yeah. And I've, I've, I've well, poked Drac about that as well, so he might have some idea of what that ship is based on. So is there anything we want to talk about with the Italians, or should we move on uh, to the next? Yeah, we'll see... Premiums wow. still that we have. Is there anything different about the premium? I'm just uh, looking at real quick. Looks pretty oh yeah, much the FR like something. Yes, FR25. Oh, it is 139 millimeters. That's pretty big. That's even bigger that's, than the tier 10, right? That's a French caliber, isn't it? 139 millimeters. Yeah. Still HE and SAP, um, but actually less... Oh, well, it's a smaller caliber, so less SAP damage than the one thirty. No, actually, no, that is a bigger caliber, but it's less SAP damage. Yeah, it's a bigger caliber with less damage. And one millimeter more penetration. Okay. I mean, 139 at, at tier 7 is uh, interesting. Uh, that... The main difference seems to be that has an actual standard firing range. Also, uh, 12.7 kilometers. Faster um, torpedoes with less range. Yeah. So still the same ammo choices, but just that will play more like a standard ship, although it still has the exhaust smoke generator. 
Yeah, it's about a mix of what you'd expect from a standard destroyer and the, yeah. the Italian flavor. It actually has better damage torps than the tier 10. <laughs> <laughs> of course it does. But 8 kilometers is... Well, at tier 7, you're still going to run into some radar, but 8 kilometers at tier 7 is still... It's not terrible. And 36 uh, speed. Yeah, what does it say? The... So not oh, yeah, fast. it's not super fast. Yeah. Where does it say the service detectability? 7.2 km. Not great. That'll be, what, 6.6? Although that fits in with a lot of the, like, isn't that like Mahalo yeah, or something? Not, like... That's not especially awful for tier, tier 7. Uh, at least it can stealth drop. It, it can self drop, and it can obviously, like, it, uh, with the exhaust smoke, it's it's actually probably better than like a Mahani in, in that regard because mm. if you sail a straight nose into someone and detects you, you just press the smoke and can turn in safety. Yeah. In- interesting thing. Would be fun. It makes more sense, I think, than the other designs. <laughs> it kind of does, yeah. It's odd that it's got French guns rather than presuming they're French guns. I mean, 139 is definitely a French destroyer caliber. I mean, maybe the FR-25 stands for that it's something French. Hmm. Quite Actually, possibly. could I have a flavor text for this? Uh, oh yeah, it's, it's a Gepard-class destroyer originally built for the French Navy. With its anti-aircraft guns replaced by Italian ones. So basically they took a French destroyer and replaced the AIA and now they call it an Italian. Ah, okay. So it's the Gepard, which is normally at tier six, I think. Uh possibly. I I lost track of the names of the French. Pretty sure that's yeah, that's normally a tier six, so it's an up tiered Gepard. Huh, okay. Uh, not anything especially new in terms of it, like, bigger thing we already have in game. Just with yeah. SAP and the exhaust smoke. <laughs> but like you say, it does make more sense than the... Uh, <laughs> yeah, the other life. Kind of. Yeah. Uh. There is a, a short, which is still Italian, but there's a short blog about change to the Giuseppe Verdi, which is getting a nerf to its smoke generator, uh, which is, that's the upcoming, I think, the tier 9 Italian. Or is that one that's already in the game? Hang on, let me check. Is that the one um, they added that's, no, that's not the Verdi, is it? Hang on, I'm getting confused. What's the tier nine Italian that's not the Lepanto? Marco Polo. There we yeah, go. So like, yeah, like what's the Giuseppe Verdi then? Is yeah. there another premium tier nine battleship Italian that I'm unaware of? Possibly. Uh, definitely. I'm sure it's been mentioned in some previous dev blog, but I don't know if we have any concrete anything on it at the moment. I mean, I guess it's not too exciting anyway because. Uh... The, the smoke on battleships is very uh, situation. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah, I forgot the search box on the blog is completely useless. Oh, well. <laughs> Someone chat said, uh, it's Italian with 406mm guns, heavier shells than Le Pantomac. But did, like, the Marco also have, like, 400... What what caliber did the Marco Polo have? I think that's... Is that 15-inch, or is that also still... No, that's still 16-inch guns. And it's also 400. So, how does it... It's just as heavy. It, it's is it like a Marco Polo with heavier shells? Is that like I mean, what is the difference? Unless it's some different project entirely. Good question. Ah, I, I mean, we'll, we'll we'll see whenever it releases. I guess. Right. Um, so that takes us to the last. No, 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 mine was in water. Uh, the Marco Polo definitely has bigger guns. Yeah, Marco Polo has four or six wheels, but it doesn't have the smoke screen. But I still prefer the Marco to the to the little Panto, to be honest. Uh, I feel like they the, are both equally crap. Well, the Panto's got the 15-inch guns. Yeah, I mean, at least the Marco Polo can overmention those. Right. Um, yeah, so then we have uh, details of the next early access, which is the Pan-Asian Cruisers. I've actually bumped into a couple of these being tested already. Oh, yeah. I've already death-struck a few. And yeah, they are, I mean, they're like cruisers. They are pretty squashy. Um, but some of the camos look quite nice, I have to say. Art department, once again, coming through. Uh, these uh, these Silk Dawn kind of white and gold, white, gold, and red camos do look very nice. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, that, that's a camo. Like, the, the German special camo was pretty bad, I felt. Yes. That, that's a pretty. That's a pretty good one. That kind of, yeah, white, well, is it even white? It's, well, yeah, kind of white slash cream, the the red and gold. Um, I like it. It's not too overpowering. It's got some nice, you know, it's got a nice clean look to it. Uh, and then there is also, uh, now I don't really like the Griffin camo for the Plymouth, which is going to be one of the clan token ones. Um, but we've also got a special camo for the Chung Mu, which is based on uh, kind of, um, I don't know, not medieval, later than medieval, kind of whatever era, era that would be, or I think either Japanese or like Korean ships, but it's kind of like a wooden yeah. ship look, which I think that looks really nice. That's amazing. And... Uh, there's also the announcement. I mean, we already knew this was going to be, but we've now got a picture of it. Is the Sackville camo, which, of course, you know, we hardly need oh, to yes. go over that whole mess again. But uh, that's also going to be in the game with the uh, uh, the uh, 0.11 patch as well. So we're getting that and the the actual um, Yukon patch that, or was it Flag? I can't remember, that uh, Chubitsu designed. And 
Yeah, I mean, I guess Little White Mouse will at least be able to then consider the matter kind of finally closed, but it's been a pretty sorry saga getting to this point. Yes. The fact that it did so long, the fact that it was almost like pulling nails to get Wargaming to get to the point where they would put this camo in the game as an apology is just... Especially since it was pre-made and they only had to... And it's not like it's, like it's a it's an actual flavorful historical camera that's gonna mean something to Canadians and it was handed to them on a plate and there was absolutely no reason for them to turn it down and be obstinate. But they were obstinate about it anyway. So Yeah, it, for for it, half a year or so. Yeah. So it was hundred percent just them being really petty about things. And the fact that it's finally in the game is good, but it's kind of Hard to give them that much credit at this point, given the road that we've gotten to to get here. Oh, I don't think they deserve any credit for doing that, that now, right? It's like a more or less final thing. Yeah. Um, and on a side note, the, the the Griffin for Plymouth is that like based on? Do, do you know? Is that based on? I don't know. Uh, is that like an official symbol of? It feels vaguely heraldic. Uh, I'm not sure about the kind of battlements for an F, but I'm pretty sure. Um, let's look this up. Yeah, it, it looks like some sort of what you'd expect from a medieval symbol or something. It's either going to be to do with the British coat of arms, or it might be like this specifically. Uh, uh, one for Plymouth that has a griffin on it. I'm not really sure. Uh, but I know it is a very common heraldic symbol, so it, it's going to be inspired by some bit of heraldry somewhere. Let's bring up the British Royal Coat of Arms. I know there's a separate one for Scotland. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's like a lion and a unicorn for the royal family. And Mission World says Plymouth has four towers on Sigil of the City. Yeah, it's probably more to do with the city of Plymouth itself. Yeah, it does have... Okay, it's got four towers, but it doesn't have any kind of griffin, so I'm not sure what the griffin specifically refers to. Also, it's just really like the color scheme also doesn't quite match, I guess. It's... It's a bit busy looking for me, to be honest. I mean, I... Seeing it from far away with that color scheme, I would see the red and yellow and, and... think it it's some fast food chain or something like the griffin <laughs> itself isn't actually that clear overall it feels a bit a bit too i don't know a bit too muddled a bit too busy you think they are selling you fried griffins <laughs> maybe i mean the thing is i i really like symbols like that like a griffin but it's it's not that easy to spot. I feel like the problem. I mean, maybe you'd see it better from a different angle. 
but the way they blasted it over the ship, it feels like the the image is lost a bit because it's so split up over the different decks. Yeah. I felt like they could have been better with making the simpler lip smaller or some of plastering somewhere around it where it's better. I mean, but maybe if you, you turn the camera. To the, you can pay that to the dragon symbology on the still screen perma camos. Yeah. That's nice and clear. Yes. Uh, it, it's not massively busy. You know, you, you can tell what it is. You can tell. Um, it's more tasteful. Yeah. I Unless, much prefer that. The other one is more really like kitsch, is that an English word? Yeah, even even the 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 commemorative patch and the commemorative flag for those, you know, they're they're quite nice. I like that red and golds. Yeah, Eastern dragon-looking flag that's coming with the thing. They're also changing the dragon port for some reason. Which I, the main change I can see there is that the head is going to be more of a kind of. Uh, I guess it's supposed to be more like a crystal color, as opposed to at the moment where it's sort of supposed to be I- semi-realistic. I guess. I wonder when they say updated the ports, did they give it the whole visual overhaul like the, the other ports that they've overhauled? Like Maybe. The I mean, the dragon's definitely going to be different. They might be doing different lighting and there's going to be a little bit more... Like the moment there's like a monastery or something in the background and or a temple or something and then they've got some actual port stuff in alongside all the, the, the temple and the pagoda stuff, so... Yeah, it, it, it might just be changing the lighting overall because at the moment it's kind of quite dusky lighting, and that looks really quite daylight. That's morning or kind of afternoon mm-hmm. lighting, I would say. So tonally, it's going to be quite different. Then another Honest, thing. I- Yes, I would prefer if they kept it more kind of evening-looking lighting because we have quite a lot of them that are very daylight-looking at the moment. There's not that many that are. I would like more like a a night port with like the moon out and something, you know. That would be nice. Yeah, I mean when they've done the, um, the um, the uh, the the event New York ones where it's been nighttime and you've got all the lights. Uh, like at the moment, it's still the mm-hmm. Black Friday one, so you've got all of everything lit up, and you've got the the spotlights illuminating the ship. Yeah, that's quite nice. Another another nighttime one that's all lit up would be quite nice. I mean, imagine all those lanterns at nighttime at this port. It would look so beautiful. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe somebody will mod it. You know, you can get modded ports yeah. that have different lighting. So somebody might mod it to make it a nighttime one. So what else have we got on this page? Um, Asymmetric battles. Yes. Um, I think this is a thing they've mentioned previously, and it's a thing they've been in World of Tanks previously as a concept. A long time ago at this point. but um, I mean, I've yeah, tried so... them in the past in Warships, but they never got the balancing right. And yeah. the last time I tried to bring them back, then they cancelled it and delayed it because it wasn't... Not sure what uh, they've changed these days, but... So um, the, the details we've got are it's going to be uh, Tier 9 and Tier 10, 6 to 8 ships, and then the second team will be either Tier 7 or Tier 8 with the 9 to 12 ships. And in order to get uh, play with the nine, Tier 9 and Tier 10 ships, you'll first have to play the Tier 7 and 8 ships. Yeah, so them. otherwise but everyone wants to 
Made a higher tier. Yeah. Uh, we've also got rental super ships in random battles, because this is the thing now. We've tested subs in random battles, so now we're just going to uh... test more things in random battles. I, I saw Flamu on Twitter being his usual scathing Flamu self about this. <laughs> I mean, to <laughs> be honest, it's basically what this means is they've now released super ships, right? Because as I've said before, submarines are basically already released, right? We haven't seen a single day without submarines in the game ever since mm. they were tested. And it doesn't look like that's going to change. So they'll keep submarines, I think, indefinitely in the game. They're just adjusting them. And once they say they are ready, they'll make them grindable. But submarines are here to stay, I think, forever. And so are probably super ships so from now on. So, so effectively, it's going to be some tier 11s mixed in with your tier 10s kind of thing. So for, for Wargaming, it means like the difference between a test and a release is the way you acquire them, not the way like in which battles they are or if they are available to everyone. It's just that if, if, it's, if it's released, you need experience to acquire it. If it's tested, then it's easier to acquire. So, you know. It's actually, once they are released, there'll probably be less of them around. <laughs> Almost, yeah, depending on how you acquire them. It's going to but, be more time and effort. So, uh... Yeah, don't, we don't really have many more details to it than that, other than, you know, they feel it's important to get more data. Yeah, I mean, basically. They'll be available to rent from random bundles in the armory, and there'll be standard class and tier restrictions on the number of them in battle. So it's basically going to be like how they've done the submarine rentals. Yeah, and it's, it's basically they are now released. That they, what's surprising me is that we haven't seen any change, or have I missed some? I don't think so. Has there been any recent blogs on Super Ship? I mean, changes? why even bother balancing stuff before you start them, uh, before you release them, right? So. Balance, uh, Wargaming has decided that balancing, since balancing is an ongoing process, you don't have to start before release, right? Once you release, you, then you can get into the balancing over the next years. Yeah. Also, you know, so far we've carefully analyzed not only data received, but also your feedback and the current season of ranked battles showed that super ships fit the current concept of the game and were warmly welcomed by players. I mean, it's once again this, like, I, I'm never sure if they are that incompetent or if it's just all like PR speak, basically. They're like, we have introduced a new shiny, made it so that everyone can get and test a new shiny and people tested a new shiny, so they must love it. It's like yeah. if you offer somebody a free sample and they take it and they taste it and they don't like it and you're like, well, they took the free sample, so obviously they loved it. You don't go and be like, well, did they enjoy it? You'd be like, well, they took a free sample, so it must be their new favorite food now. I don't, I've just been looking. I don't think there's been anything new on Super Ships in terms of that since mid October. That was the last thing I can find, or the, the most recent thing I can find, the Super Ship characteristics article, which uh, gives all the various stats as they are at the moment. Uh, yeah, I mean, no the fun, recent changes. I mean, the, the fun thing is, right, most games, like, they start, like, in alpha or so, and then go to beta, and 
eventually are released and some just stay in beta forever. World of Warships has come to the point where it's released and now it's regressing back into beta and alpha stages. It's like they've basically reversed the course. They're like, we don't want a finished game on the market. We just try to, you know, unfinish it. Yeah, let's let's add some more unfinished elements to the game because that's always a popular way to do things. They've obviously seen how all the big AAA publishers are basically releasing games that are still blatantly unfinished, and they're like, you know what? Our game is too complete. We need to add yeah. more beta and test elements to the game to keep up with all these big publishers that clearly know what they're doing. Yeah. Which... Uh... Also brings us to one of our favorite topics ever, Submarine Changes. Yes. So basically, they, they are now changing the sonar ping, and you can now ping multiple ships, but only one ping is sort of active. Yeah, I don't know how, how different that makes this from things as they are at the moment. Like It's the most recent ping that's going to be the active ping, but if you, from my reading of this, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like uh, if you launched ports, they will go for the most recent active ping. But if you put out the newer ping, they won't go for that ping. Am I reading that correctly? Yeah, so the way I get it, like when you launch ports, they launch onto your active ping, right? And then if you change the active ping and ping something else, then they still go after the, the old ping. So basically, you can't redirect torpedoes. Torpedoes go after the ping that you have when you launched. And then if you ping something else, they don't care. So you can't... What, what you could do right now is basically you could sort of curve by... Basically, you could shoot them at one ship, right? And then you could ping another, and then they would stop tracking the first one. And so mm -hmm. you could, I guess... Uh, I mean, if you saw that the first target didn't work, you could basically change your target, or you could make them come yeah. from another angle or things like that. So what was potentially a skill factor they have taken away. So now it's really just you launch them on the one thing that's pinged and then you can like ping another stuff and launch that. So you can try to attack multiple targets at the same time. Why you'd want to do that, I don't know. I mean, on the one hand, I guess it's nice because maybe you, you have torpedoes on a certain target and they look okay, but I mean, it could be possible that something appears and you need to defend yourself and you need to switch what you shoot at. Yeah, they've also put down if a ship, a ship has an active ping sector and torpedoes are homing to it, it will become inactive when a new ping hits another ship. So uh, are they trying to discourage you from pinging well, but, but they say ships? if... No, they, they say it's still like homing torpedoes only go after yeah. the ping sector and continue to so if it becomes inactive. So basically, even though the ping is inactive, oh, they're I still see. home yeah. towards that. Thing. Okay. The only thing is like, you know, I mean, you can't then like re-add them. Yeah, you can't, yeah, you can't refresh once they're in the water. So if it's about to run out, then... Yeah. I wonder how that goes, right? Yeah. This all feels like they're fine-tuning a thing that just doesn't work to me, but <laughs> what do I know? 
Yeah, yeah right. it's. It, I mean, once again, right? They have the concept of pings, and they love it so much that no amount of feedback or anything will. Uh, like they, they aren't changing the fact that damage con is a very bad way of dealing with it, and that a lot of problems with the ping and a lot of criticism and feedback they're just ignoring all that because they love the ping so much. Yeah. There's also uh, some notes about detectability. Uh, what, what's operating dev, by the way? Is that like Periscope or is that like I below? Think so. Yes, I, I think. Like, wasn't that the case? Like, couldn't you, I mean, operating dev, if, if it isn't max dev, then like, I mean, that the proximity spotting, did that not work in smoke? What do I mean there? I, I mean, guaranteed, guaranteed acquisition, acquisition range is the two-kilometer range, isn't it? Yeah. But doesn't that work right now? Don't know. I haven't played subs enough, to be honest. I certainly haven't been playing subs and rushing down people in smoke. Yeah, it's like that you see a uh, sub two kilometers away from you in smoke. It's not something that I think I've encountered. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure how that's going to change things. That seems like quite a minor change. But it also says a ship in smoke can also detect a submarine operating depth from at, at two kilometers. So, okay, if ships in smoke and subs can now both see each other when there's smoke, I guess, at extreme close range. I mean, yeah, I, I really don't get it because I would have thought that you can, like, the one the proximity spotting, I, it shouldn't be affected by smoke anyway. So, the I'm not sure what the change there is, but okay. Also yeah. interesting, fix the bug that caused the ship's selectability by depth to increase after firing smoke. Does this mean like a submarine could see it from... How, how does that... Did that could a uh, submarine for, uh, suddenly see a ship that's firing in smoke from further away from underwater? Like, could a, could a sub in the water right now detect the ship because it's firing from smoke? Maybe. It kind of seems to be what that is. I don't really know, to be honest. That's because the ship's detectability by depth to increase after firing in smoke. So, yes. Well, it's that good if they're fixing bugs. That, that's obviously great. But, uh... Yeah. Not uh, the, the wording isn't clear enough for me to identify what the bug is, and I don't think I've really run or not noticeably run into it to identify this. Uh, so we've what? also got um, achievements. Small fleets, medium fleet, and large fleet encyclopedia, which we rewarded for participation in special portal activities, which it doesn't mention what they are. So that's something that's happening that you'll get an achievement for, potentially, if you take part, I yep. guess. I think they just want you to click on news articles or something, and they'll give you an achievement in-game. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, Plymouth, we already looked at. Yukon. Uh, the one thing I think this ties in with the Chung Mu is this uh, commander Yi Sun Sin, who is I think actually kind of famous 
Um, it's, I mean, we're going obviously, like, this isn't, mm-hmm. you know, anyone uh, do with uh, the Second World War or anything like that. It's quite a bit further. Well, uh, you're trying to tell that, me that they didn't dress like that in the world. <laughs> uh, here we go. Korean Admiral, oh, so it was Korea, uh, who, uh, Admiral and Military General, famed for his victories against the Japanese Navy during the uh, the attempted invasions of 1592 to 1598 uh, during the Joseon dynasty. Uh, did, by the way, I've said this previously, I am all for more historical-based uh, admirals and, um, like, uh, ship permacamos and, and, and mm-hmm. ship skins. I am 100% in favour of this. And I'd have obviously liked it to have it more on, you know, either like yeah. the Royal Navy or the US or the French or, but the fact that it's Pan-Asian, you know, this looks like a skin that I would seriously consider getting. Chengdu is not a terrible ship to play, I suppose, uh, but it's a really nice looking skin and it's an actual genuinely historical significant uh, commander. And it's almost an odd thing that they didn't make this a special commander. It's obviously got its own yeah. portrait, but the fact that it doesn't have any special abilities of any kind, uh, which I don't think there are. I mean, there's two named uh, commanders with, like, the White yeah. Star next to them, the equivalent of John Doe uh, that have, like, some minor special abilities, but we don't have any actual historical captains in the uh, the Pan-Asian line up until this one, so... The fact that they don't have any special abilities to go with that almost feels like an odd thing. It does, but, because oh, cool. they, they've now, I mean, they now have two full lines with the destroyers and the yeah. cruisers, so they could definitely get their own. I think, like, every nation should have its own special captain with its special skills. It just feels wrong. Also, I never really branded the, the Pan-Asian destroyers, but this this skin makes me really think about it. It's a really nice skin. Yeah, it's like... It's just done so well. And I'd really like to, to have a flamethrower from that mouth in the front. <laughs> I think... I mean, I don't... I think that was more of a ram, but they, these were basically... Uh, like, sort of armoured for their day, but the main armament was, uh, I believe, archers. Yeah, but didn't for, they for have this, this period of ships? Didn't they like have fire? Sh- I mean, uh, they probably did I'm have not fire sure ships. Who had fire ships? Uh, I mean, fire ships were a thing up, up until through like I think the 18th century, but that was more like a hulk that you set on fire and then aimed at the enemy fleet kind of thing. I don't know if there were any that had like flamethrowers. I mean, didn't they have like some sort of? Uh, di- I mean, I oh, might be utterly mistaken. I'm thinking about Byzantium there. Didn't some oh. of them have, like, some special sort of Nepalish substance even uh, they used with ships? Maybe. Um, here's, the, here's what they were... I was trying to remember what they were called. It's actually linked in his uh, thing. So, yeah, uh, turtle ships. Is that, that's what that particular style of uh, ship was called. It looks like a pretty faithful recreation of... Uh, of of all the you know the the, the mm-hmm. fittings and the materials used, 
the dragon's head's kind of like a figurehead kind of thing. Yeah, uh, yeah I does note one version carried a projector that could release a dense toxic smoke that was generated to obscure vision and interfere with the Japanese ability to maneuver and coordinate popular, um, properly. And apparently a cannon could be fitted to the mouth of the dragon. Although a very early kind of uh, naval cannon. Yeah, and the spikes are apparently entirely historical as well. They were an anti-boarding measure. So not just to keep off pigeons. <laughs> but yeah, I really, really like that. I absolutely, it's yeah. rare that I get me just completely unalloyed in my, you know, praise and desire for something that Wargaming have done. And of course, it's one of the, you know, visual elements things. But yeah, I really hope we get more like this, more historically based kind of uh, wooden warships era of uh, of of skins and and uh, captains i absolutely would go for more of those apparently you were right yes the byzantine um ore driven or propelled ships had mm. uh greek fire projectors which i think they were just basically like catapults small catapults on deck if i remember correctly i don't really know that much about my my byzantine my, uh, yeah, my Mediterranean well, uh, uh, um, trimarines and quimarines and uh, whatever else of uh, shallow draft ships that were the norm for a very long time. Uh, Byzantines also used pressurized nozzles to project the liquid onto the enemy in a manner resembling a modern flamethrower. Okay, all right, they did. I, I for some reason thought it was like catapults, but no, they actually had nozzles. I remembered something somewhat historical. Now I'm proud of myself. <laughs> so yeah, that that's cool. And like I said, really wish they had done more with that commander rather yeah. than just making it a portrait. But it's a start. Uh, we also have some more flags and a Russian commander, Peter Gradov. Uh, again, this just looks like a portrait um, without anything. Special about them. I don't know if there's some. If this is an actual Russian commander, or if this is just like searching for Peter Gradov doesn't particularly give anything. I mean, obviously, he must be the most uh, famous Russian ever. Oh no, that the, the probably the commanded the historically Petro Pavlovsk. <laughs> there is a Russian <laughs> poet, actor, translator, and playwright that was called Peter Gradov, but I don't know if that no, no mention of any naval connection whatsoever. I mean, it could just be that they took a favor, uh, uh, a famous person that was famous for something else and made him a captain. Are you playing? If there is that a doesn't... big Russian connection. But, I don't know if that makes a particular amount of sense, but yeah, it doesn't really give any detail about this. It's just yeah, a captain with a moustache. So I, I'm <laughs> guessing this is going to be an armory thing. 
Probably. Yeah, a bit more. I uh, bit more information on that would be interesting. Like, where does it come from? Yeah. I mean, for all we know, he might be very well known in in uh, Russia and just not in our circles. Last thing is a uh, an upgraded collector's badge as well. So at the moment, I think it pops out at what is it like three hundred and fifty ships or something? So it's going to be for up to five hundred ships. Or well, if you, you get want a whale, ships. even more. Yes. Could have put the, like a whale on top of it. I mean, I have at the moment in port, and I've got a lot of the ships. Uh, I've got 410 at the moment, so I guess they were at the stage where they needed to think about adding a new higher tier one. Yeah, I mean, the way they are releasing ships, you know, they, yeah. they'll need to update it yearly. So that's it, really, for the dev blog articles. I don't know if there's anything on the news portal that we need to cover. Uh, the only other... Uh, topic that we have to talk about really is the release of the Bian. However, one pronounces that the the, the tier six French yes. aircraft carrier gone on sale uh, as of I think was it yesterday, day before, something like that. So more carriers, everyone's favourite thing, of course. And uh, yeah, the other articles. So that that's the main thing. Small side note about that. I, that's only something I saw on Twitter because, like, obviously, Painter put some googly eyes on it and posted it uh, you know, on Twitter. <laughs> of course. And then he made a follow-up tweet that apparently Wargaming told him he's uh, he has to mention that it's sold in the Armory for whatever. Like, even though he just tweeted the thing with googly eyes, they then sent him a message that when he creates content about the chip, he's... Uh, uh, he okay. has to mention that it's sold in the armory for what, like six thousand units. Well, that's, that's just how something I got that it. I that I saw on Twitter. So <laughs> it was. Uh, uh, is that the so rework somebody, of the CC program? Yeah, somebody in marketing being very zealous there, or somebody in the community team. If you mention it at all, you have to mention the, where you can buy it. Okay. Let's see if I can like maybe find the. Yeah, it's 6,300 doubloons for the, the basic, the ship itself, plus the slot, plus a three-point captain. And it's got some 200% XP bonus combat missions tied to it, uh, which I will see how long those last for. There's also the Admiral Pack, which is nearly 12,000 doubloons for a Tier 6 ship. It's absolutely not worth 12,000 doubloons. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, let's take a look, see, find where it's... I think I've, uh, checked it yet. So, uh, so yeah, base, basically, uh, there you see it, like, I've been informed that I have to state that the ship will be available for 6,300 balloons in the premium <laughs> shop starting from December the 3rd with my content. And this was his content. <laughs> Googly eyes! I uh, mean, yeah, that's, uh, that runs for a month, apparently. So, XP. so that's that's uh, wargaming these days. Yeah. Can't even post googly eyes without, apparently. Uh, so I don't, I don't think you've played it or bought it, but I, I took the plunge. I bought it from the armory. 
uh, and hand a 21-point captain leftover that I've slapped into it. Uh, so the gimmick of this is it's only got bombers. You have two types of bombers. You have AP dive mm-hmm. bombers, which have quite a... You drop four bombs per drop, and the spacing with the drop makes it quite hard to land more than two hits at a time. The actual... Uh, what is it? It's like 3,600... Yeah, 3,600 Citadel damage. So it's more often than not, you'll get a couple of overpens, which is a couple of hundred damage. If you manage to get a Citadel hit, it's nice, but it's not doing that much damage overall. And um, uh, so honestly, I think the other type is uh, generally better, which is HE Skit Bombers, which obviously are it's easier to hit more of them. You're releasing more of them per drop. And you actually can set fires with them as well. So they do seem to be the more useful squadron to use overall. Uh, the squadron sizes it's uh, two by four. And uh don't think that they're not especially fast. They're not especially mm-hmm. slow. Uh, they have got both of them a decently long boost time. And uh, the only real negatives are um, that but the AP bombers are not that useful, especially on cruisers where you have a skinnier target to hit. So I, I found myself using the AP bombers just in between uses of, like, if I didn't have enough HE bombers to send out, I would go for the, uh, the AP bombers instead. Uh, the ship itself is really slow. They've kept its historical speed of like 21 and a half knots. Uh, it does have decent numbers of reserves, which is quite nice for tier six because, you know, you, you will run out of planes if you just keep throwing them into uh, especially higher tier AA. Um, what else to say about it? Uh, not particularly stealthy, although it's not the worst of its tier. Uh, the AA defense is kind of weird. It's only got a three-kilometer AA range, so it's actually more vulnerable, I think, to uh, being struck by other carriers, also because it's quite slow. That's interesting, actually. It very quickly. Probably the biggest overall gimmick is the number of fighters it can drop. Each of the squadrons can drop eight fighters without superintendent or anything like that. Obviously, with you would get nine fighters apiece, and the fighters actually have a they have a fairly decent radius, and they last for one minute forty seconds without any kind of captain skill buff. So that's that's the main gimmick overall, apart from the 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 composition is just how many fighters you get because there are other carriers in the game that only have mm-hmm. two kinds of attack squadrons, but I think this is the first time that. Wargaming has given them any extra fighter charges. Normally, if you've only got two attack squadrons, you're actually worse off because you have fewer overall fighter charges to work with. But it's it's not just you know one extra; it's way above and beyond. Eight fighter charges is, is per squad is more than you'll get through in an individual game, just because they last for much longer as well. So yeah, yeah I mean, I've only played a couple of games with it so far, but 
Yeah. At times when they want to address spotting, they basically create a carrier that's an absolute nightmare for destroyers to deal with because destroyers, especially like the six, they don't have anti-air, generally speaking. Mm. So you drop that above a cap and for what one minute forty or something like it's it's like this camp is unlivable. Yeah, you have to you have to either stay away from that or if it's dropped on top of you, you you have to run or smoke. You don't really have any choices uh, unless you've got enough you know, you're confident enough in your AA to shoot it down if you're a higher tier destroyer versus this thing, for example. I mean, a US lower tier that could probably take care of the fight, but if you're like a Fubuki or something, like, you know, it's like you yeah. don't just screw. This cap is basically for like almost two minutes, you know, depending the the, the cap is, you would just have to go away. I hope that somebody else takes care of them. Can I mean it, it? Definitely compared to all of its contemporaries, and compared to all of the other carriers in the game, you can far more afford to use. Like a lot of carriers, preferentially, uh, and like in terms of dropping mm-hmm. fighters for allies, it's kind of hard to do in a timely fashion a lot of the time. Uh, so you will tend to see carriers use their fighters more for spotting than anything else. And we kind of talked about this during the the you know the yeah. session when we were talking. about the carrier spotting mechanic changes potentially. So, um, yeah, this this can this just can drop way more fighters for spotting and still have some left for protecting allies. You don't have to really make any choice in that regard. Uh, the only other thing that's different about it is in port, you get the the uh, aircraft carrier, the the um, aircraft elevator pops mm-hmm. up and down when you're in port when you're viewing it. So that little bit of animation is quite nice to see. Um, yeah, it's not like if I was looking at all the tier six carriers, I would still rather play um the Arc Royal. Like the planes are slower, but you know, you've got the 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 goods torpedo bombers to work with that tier, or the low and heart with its dive bombers. So beyond's a bit weird. And uh the fact that you've got the 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 speed of a tier four carrier in terms of crawling along at 21 knots, it's quite easy to get caught out, potentially. So, yeah, it's it's definitely one for the history fans in terms of this was the carrier mm-hmm. that actually existed and did play some role in World War II. But as I'm sure Drac will talk about, if we get him to talk about it next week, it was a pretty dreadful design in real life. <laughs> French carrier aviation uh, pre-war was basically restricted to this one carrier, and it wasn't really until post-war that they started seriously doing anything with carriers. And even then, it was with some ex-Royal Navy carriers before they got back into designing and building their own carriers in, what what was it, like the 70s, the 80s? It was a couple of decades after. So, you know, it exists. It's not terrible, but it's kind of hard to recommend it to anyone that Mm. isn't. Some big history buff that just has to own the only French carry that existed in World War Two. It does. Like, if we ever get an actual line of French aircraft carriers, which would seem odd, like if a French CV line would be lots and lots of paper ships, I w- I would imagine. Um. Yeah. Uh, we'll Maybe never there would have some other fictional upgrade at tier six or some sister ship of the Beyond that was never built or I don't know. I don't know what they would do. Or maybe the fact that we have the Beyond as a as a premium 
means that they're less likely to get French CVs. But given Wargaming's quest for content, given the nature of something like World of Warships, I'm sure at some point they'll they'll dig out some set of line of blueprints and go, here, French CVs. It's totally I mean, existed. We have, we have it... Russian carriers, and then, yes, you know, true. They, could, French, they could make Austrian French carriers. carriers. Worse than that. Some of them would even have existed. Uh, what was the one they had post-war that was like a Centaur class or something? <laughs> it would basically be a, you know, British subsidy. Yeah. For, for their tier 8, probably. So yeah, they haven't had a lot of aircraft carriers. Um, they did operate a Bogue class, I think, during World War Two. No, an Avenger class. There we go. Just similar to the Bogue, uh, which I guess you could probably squeeze that in as a tier four. And they had a pair of ex independence class ones that were given to them post war. So maybe that would do for mm-hmm. their tier six with independence class. Uh, there was the Joffrey class, which I think was laid down and then scrapped. So again, I guess you could put that in as a tier six, maybe. Uh, yeah, a Colossus I mean, class is what they have. So that would do for a tier 8. So basically you've already confirmed that they're definitely doing French carriers with this. I think so. I think there's probably, given that it's only every other tier, there probably is enough for them to scrape together uh, some ships. I don't know what they would do for tier 10. The Clemenceau's are, I think, probably too modern, unless it was some kind of preliminary Clemenceau design. The Clemenceau's were in service from the early 60s. I mean, I don't know. Maybe that would be just in terms of the time, in, in terms of the time frame they might be able to squeeze in a, a Clemenceau at Tier 10. What happened to Friday? My internet went herpaderp on Friday, foo. Uh, it went down repeatedly. So we gave up on the idea because uh, I would have just been going up and down while we were trying to do the podcast. But I had an evening this evening, so we thought we'd do it today instead. And we even got extra things to talk about, so it kind of worked yeah. out. Yeah. Jedi basically just used the mind trick and his internet disappeared. <laughs> it was really annoying. I couldn't do anything. I was trying to, like, I was you know, it just reduced to trying to watch stuff on YouTube, and it was just start, stop, start, stop, start, stop, and... I just gave up in the end. It was really irritating. Seagulls blown away. That must have been what it was, yeah. Whatever the issue was, though, they did fix it. It was just Friday evening. So I think that's about it. I don't know if there's any other... Yeah, ...anything think... we want to talk about, but we've had... We've, we've covered, covered the death And we're going to come back to, to the historical parts of the... Uh... Italian ships yes. with Dark next week. We're definitely going to have plenty to pick his brains about. We've got the entire Italian line. Uh, we have this uh, Atlantico, which I'm sure he, he might be able to dig something up on. We'll see. 
or it might be some super obscure thing he's never heard of. That's also possible. <laughs> and uh, he'll definitely have something to say about the BR. So, yeah. yeah. And maybe French aviation in general. Or naval aviation, rather. So that should be quite so, interesting, especially as the, the Italian line is a line that mostly existed. Yeah, and the, the podcast with Drag is planned for Thursday this week, right? For the yes. uh, 9th of December. Yes. You can't do Friday, so we're going to do Thursday instead. And yeah, I, I think with that, we've basically come to an end here. Pretty much. Sam's been notably absent. Where is it? He's in his box. Oh. I'll grab Sam and Sam can wave goodbye to everybody. There we go. A box of Sam. <laughs> and everything comes crashing down. And also me knocking over my microphone. Well done. <laughs> that was totally according to plan. <laughs> obviously. Obviously. His, His Majesty was not amused that I disturbed him. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> totally professional end to the podcast there. Yes. Uh... Potentially breaking my microphone. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Can't even blame Sam for knocking that over. That was all me. You can still blame him. He's a cat. He will smugly take it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. And with that... Have a good night, everyone, and we'll be back on Thursday. <laughs>